So shall we do it? Give it a try? I say let's jump in. Welcome to the revival of the Music Video Land podcast, the podcast brought to you by your friends at IMVDB, the Internet Music Video Database. My name is Adam Fairholm, one of the co-founders of IMVDB, and with me, of course, as always, is Mr. Douglas Klinger, uh, also one of the co-founders of IMVDB. How are you, Doug? Super good, Adam. I'm, I'm uh, just watching YouTube videos on Facebook. What? That's what we do all day, every day, Doug. Um, all right. Because, you know, what we've done, or, or you may have noticed there haven't been any episodes of this podcast in, in a while, and that's by design, actually. We wanted to take a little break. Our last podcast was, was with uh, Syndrome, I think, back in March. And we wanted to take a little break to focus on the site a little bit. We have done a, a lot with that, and we'll get to that later in the podcast. But um, we wanted to come back, and thought it was a good time to come back with our podcast because there's a lot going on in the world of music videos. That's the fall. It's everybody's going back to school. Everybody needs podcast material and people talking in their ears. So that is right. what we're providing. Right. And they also need to listen to Dave Ma. They do. They're right. That's right. Because our first podcast back in the saddle, we have a guest we're really excited about a music video director, Dave Ma, who has directed some of our favorite music videos. He is uh, has a great relationship with the band Foles and has directed a lot of music videos for them, including most recently My Number in 2013, um, Inhaler, Miami, Spanish Sahara, um, a bunch of Foles videos. Um, also one, Doug, that was a pick of yours, got him probably a year ago, Everything is Dancing by Pharaohs, yeah. um, which you may remember, uh, listeners, as the one with the obese Batman. And his sidekick Robin in retirement, we finally get some answers to exactly what is going on in that video. Yeah, a, a long-standing argument. Yes, that, and has settled yeah. in this very podcast here, and we also and also Claire de Lune by Flight Facilities, which is one of our IMVB picks, and a, a fantastic music video that that we we love a lot. So it was really fun to talk to to Dave. He had a lot of great insights into. Um, some of the videos he's made as well as uh, you know having a relationship with a band like he does with Foles. So we'll get to that uh, interview in the second half of that podcast. But long-time listeners of the show know that we like to waste your time before the podcast by talking about current music video events. Uh, right, we like to make you te- test out your fast-forward function on your podcast listening device mm-hmm. with your ham radio, right? That's what they listen, people listen to these on? That's what I listen to podcasts on, on the ham radio. Because um, a lot has happened in the last at least, you know week in terms of music videos, and if we get back to doing the this last, in, the last day, even that's right. If we get to back to doing this on a weekly basis, we'll have hopefully have a lot to talk about. It. So last Sunday, Doug was everybody. You know, the music has the Grammys, and then music videos have the Music Video Awards, the uh, VMAs, and we were both witnesses of the VMAs. We tweeted at the winners as they came, and uh, we also did a little live blog. Um, but this year's VMAs, if you remember last year, um, well, just some background information. These took place in Brooklyn, not in L.A., um, right. which was fun. Barclays and Center. The Barclays Center right in Brooklyn. 
And if you remember last year, we also did a live blog, and there was all sorts of confusion about the professional awards. The VMAs are divided into the more popular awards, like Rock Video of the Year, Video of the Year, stuff like that. I actually don't know if Rock Video of the Year counts. They didn't televise that one. Oh yeah, they. Oh, uh, you know, I'm no, not I, sure where I got that information. Maybe they didn't televise that. That's right. Okay. The, the, um, like pop video of the year, video video of the year. Yeah, yeah, like a female video of the year, male video of the year. Those are the big ones that they kind of wedge in between the, um, the performances. <laughs> performances. Yeah. And then there's the pro awards, which are the ones that you know we're interested about. Those go to the actual people who make the videos, editing the year, you know, director of the year, choreographer of the year, blah blah blah. And last year they didn't even. Like announce those. Like they, I remember being on Twitter at like one thirty in the morning, and bands like tweeting at directors, being like, you know, did we win? And the directors who were like, who were there, <laughs> who were at the VMAs, didn't even have a clue. Right. Um, I don't. I don't know if we won. Yeah, which is an awkward place to be put in, especially since there's. It's not like the Grammys where there's like a hundred categories, and if, right. And if they don't, and if you know, you don't know by you know the end of the night if who won like best, you know, like spoken word you know in another <laughs> language album um then you're gonna be all right but this year they they actually had a little segment um a little bit like the oscars where they just said you know you know it was the announcer basically saying you know here's who won blah 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 blah, blah all the professional categories and i thought that was a, a big difference another, another difference um I don't remember really ever seeing this happen so frequently is that the when the musicians won their awards, they gave a lot of credit to the directors and the, and and even beyond that some executive producers and stuff there was a lot of uh crew love coming from the musicians uh this time around yeah i think it's it's worth noting that um you know for instance for a while i don't know when the first interview you you did with John John Augustavo was. Um, I believe you did it when it was for it was for same love and it was for the same love and thrift shop. It was a combo interview, but it was it was like probably you know six eight months ago at least even before that maybe even a year. Right, and then when when Can't Hold Us came out, um, John John Agastavo was kind enough to do an interview with us as well, and he's been a great friend of the site. And um, it was really great to see, you know, um, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. They won for best uh, hip hop music video for Can't Hold Us and also for Best Video with a Message for Same Love. And both times they um they acknowledged not only, you know, John John, but also for Can't Hold Us, Jason Caning, who was also a co director on that video. So they really made a point of of, you know, making sure they recognized the directors who, you know, won them these awards really. Yeah, and so some other for, um other people that, that got mentioned too, Anthony Mandler, I know, mm-hmm. got a Twice. shout out couple shout outs um the guy who directed the um one direction video actually went up on stage with them um for the best uh which was great uh, that uh, vampire weekend the two guys from vampire weekend uh announced that award that <laughs> why was, why is that great i don't know it was just it, ben winston is the guy's name yeah there um is. and uh it was just i just like seeing vampire weekend yeah um, okay i thought they could i thought they maybe should have been nominated for something for Diane Young, but whatever. Um, but overall, I think that the choices were uh, really good. I was really happy that Come and Get It won. I love, I'm a really big fan of Anthony Mandler's work. Yeah, I think that's a great pop video too. I mean, I I, I, um, I thought it was going to be Miley Cyrus, but... Uh, but you were wrong. I, I was wrong. I was wrong. And, and speaking of Miley, I guess we should, uh, we can briefly talk about 
her performance. But I mean, just one small thing about Anthony Anthony Mandler. I oh, was, yeah. Because we didn't the, – the nominations came out while we were not doing this podcast. We couldn't talk about them. But uh, Carry On, which I love and I don't think got a lot of press by, by fun, directed by Anthony Mandler, was nominated for, I think, Best uh, Pop Video. Let me just make sure uh, of that. Hold on. I can cut this out. Um, was actually nominated for Best Direction. And, you know, it's one of those videos that came out. I, I loved this video. I thought it was a really fantastic video, but then I never heard about it for months. Um, so I was really excited to see it. Uh, David Fincher ended up winning for Suit and Tie by Justin Timberlake, which is another great video. But uh, right. and it's a tough category. There was, I mean, Director X, Anthony Mandler, David Fincher, um, John John Agustavo, Jason Canning, and Megaforce all in this category together. I mean, that's kind of a, that's a slugfest. And it is, and it's good too. You know, they didn't just like give it to the people with the, the biggest videos. You know what I mean? Like there, that Megaforce uh, nomination is a, is a bit of a uh, was a bit of a wild card almost. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't. That's not like one of the typical VMA nominated ty- type of director. I feel like definitely. Um, you know, when I saw that, I actually had to go back and rewatch it because I didn't quite remember it. And Carry On was also nominated for Best Pop Video. But, um, but yeah, we should talk a little bit about Miley Cyrus because a few days after the awards, I was on the phone with my mom who, you know, she gets the top of the – she gets like the – you know, when you skim the top of the pop news and stuff, that's what she gets. And she was – and she knew all about Miley Cyrus's performance. Yeah. Every, she, I think everyone's mom knew about it. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Because, you know, Mika Brzezinski on, you know, Morning Joe was talking about it. <laughs> and, like, I woke up the next morning after it was, like, a Huffington Post. Mika Brzezinski is super mad at Miley Cyrus. I mean, oh, geez. I kind of feel bad for, like, Katy Perry and Lady Gaga in a way because they, they're performing. They're, like, the two, like, heavyweights of the summer for yeah. their albums and their videos. And they bookended the VMAs and nobody – it was, like – Tumbleweeds in terms they, it, of that. To the point where the, an image of the Smith family, Will Smith and family, <laughs> went viral as if it was a reaction to Miley Cyrus because Miley Cyrus was such the talk of the VMAs when clearly they were reacting to Lady Gaga because you could see the broadcast in the corner of the image and <laughs> Lady Gaga is in that image. I know it was such sloppy reporting. I mean, every you know, like BuzzFeed and like all these other. Oh, you don't know say sloppy reporting from BuzzFeed, huh? Oh what? my god, yeah. Seriously, what's the world coming like, to? There was literally forty-five BuzzFeed articles about <laughs> Miley Cyrus's performance, and they started immediately. They started immediately. Oh, and they're still trickling in. I saw one that came through on the Google Alert like earlier today that was about the guy who invented, like the fucking guy who invented the foam finger. They're they're like calling up this guy. And, like, getting a quote from him saying that he's outraged that Miley Cyrus was, like, rubbing a foam finger on Robin Thicke's, like, dick. You know, it's... This is... Well... uh, But people just, just, like, ran ran with it with, like, a... They were like, oh, yeah, here we go. And, and like, every blog was like, this is exactly what we need. Yeah, right. Perfect. But whatever. Like, I I mean... so the reason I think that the performance is relevant is because obviously with any performance in the VMAs, they're, they're, they're typically recreations of the music video. I mean, this has been going back for as, as, as long as I can remember. I remember as a kid being like super stoked to see Jamiroquai perform at the VMAs when Virtual Insanity was <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, is he gonna have a treadmill? Is he gonna walk around like he is in the music video? Like getting super stoked and like 
uh, one year Marilyn Manson ended the show, and I think it was Beautiful People or something that he, uh, or Dope Show or something that he ended the show with, and like even my dad wanted to watch it because that's how much press it was getting because they knew he was going to probably recreate that video. So recreating music videos is what they do at the VMAs, and I, I actually really enjoy it. And so that's that's why this performance is relevant because that's what they're basically doing. I, I think uh, it's pretty harsh, don't you think? That what's the reaction to that performance? Yeah, I mean it's it's complicated because people don't like it for a number of reasons. So you you kind of defend one reason and they go after it. Um, I think that my kind of seminal reaction was the like I mentioned before the Mika Brzezinski on Morning Joe because this is like the morning after. It's like six a.m. These people do are like in like in like uh their pajamas almost like doing this morning morning show and she was like livid and the reason she was livid is because it's sort of setting an example but i think that's for that's other the- girls but i mean that, that argument has been made about you know literally everything that pushes any sort of sexual boundary for a long time i think what the the, the thing that makes me feel like this performance could go on like you know reddit's cringe subreddit is just the the tongue thing I, I don't understand the tongue thing, and she just. But I think I, like, I don't. I guess I don't know Miley Cyrus too much, but I feel like she does it a lot, right? Like I see pictures of her with yeah, that. She does that a lot. I don't know if that she wants to make it her that thing. I actually thought the intro when she came out of the bear and it was like the twerk, you know, twerk it out song with the bears was really really good, and it kind of. Um, and there were moments I mean, I, of that moments of the performance. You know, the they, they, the live music had like a, had the guitar for the song, and they had you know the the music sounded good. I thought the performance was was nice. She could was really struggling with doing the verses for a blurred lines. Yeah, she, she wasn't great at that. I I'll agree with that. But but the but the, but the VMA performances are so rarely about singing good. The the. The artist is always jumping around and running around. Everything's always so breathy, and everyone's always out of breath for their whole <laughs> performance. I mean, I think that at one point, Katy Perry was jump roping and singing during her performance. So, like, you're, it's not about that. It's about, like, giant bears dancing on stage and, and, and making Mika Brzezinski mad. That's what, that's what the VMAs are about. And so the performances especially. And so, like, I, I think clearly she's the big winner, right? She's the winner. Oh god, yeah, definitely she by wins. far. This, she doesn't like lose, she wins. I mean, so. it's like what's that old, you know, quote that everybody brings up, you know, don't care what you say about me, just, you know, spell my name right and people yeah. are definitely spelling your name right and I think that I, I feel like if there's anybody who was a quote-unquote loser from that performance, I feel like it's Robin Thicke a little bit because he kind of got made out to be like the I mean, he's he's uh old an older guy. Miley Cyrus is Twenty years old, Robin Thicke was, you know, making music videos like in the like two thousand three, like ten years ago. You know, there's, and I think everybody kind of was a little creeped out by that, just because <laughs> of the age difference and because that's, you know, I don't know. I, I could go on and on about Robin Thicke, but, but I, mean, I feel I feel like people were like a little bit like they, everybody focused on Miley, but they're back their mind. They're like, uh, you know, Robin Thicke was there and he he was the guy getting grinded on. You know? Yeah, definitely. He, I mean. uh he he definitely got because like i said it's miley is gonna like she'll probably sell a bunch of records because of this and and definitely like she's like when she does stuff because she's trying to make this transition transition into like hip-hop stuff and like Mm. i think like this is like 
this is perfect for that. Like that's oh yeah, yeah. Like this is this is perfect. Like Juicy J's like come on down. <laughs> like like that's that like this is this is exactly what she like wanted to happen. So like yeah, Robin Thicke. I don't know. Um, but but, in, but, but, in, but you know he's he also like. I mean, he he would have had a popular music video anyway, but I think that he also benefited um, from the fact that "Give It to You," you know, came out that morning as well. And I think that you know he's he's he, he's going to have one of the two po- most popular videos released this week, and um, and so you know he's still like riding. He's he was able to ride a little bit of a wave wave from that performance too. Yeah, um, and, and we'll link some articles in the in the show notes here that uh, talk about the, the the actual bump that the VMAs gave, you know, Miley Cyrus and a lot of these people. And just, you know, we should mention that this performance was a three-part performance. It went from um, We Can't Stop to Blurred Lines to Got to Give It to You, and all of those videos were directed by the same person, Diane Martel, which right. is interesting. Um, especially because those are, you know, the first two songs, I don't think the third song is, has yet to prove itself, but the first two are, you know, massive hits of the summer. So it's well, definitely it a Diane Martell summer in terms of music videos. Give It To You is getting a lot of coverage on, on like the pop radio stations right now. I definitely think that one's coming up. And I think that the, for the song side, I think that it's it's got a lot to do with Kendrick Lamar and 2 Chains as well, that they were kind of very muted in the performance. Kendrick Lamar was really, really good in that performance, though. I love the moment where, you know, you never saw him got, get up on stage, but he just he, all of a sudden cut to him. And yeah. he just had, like, a such a... He has a really calm poise on stage. And no, he, just, he just looked like he was just ready to go. Yeah, man. No, he's good. He's ready for this. He's, like... He's he's definitely, like... He's really good live, too. Mm-hmm. Like, he's definitely really comfortable up there. You could tell. And he... uh yeah, he's he's. I I, I agree. I th- I thought two chains was terrible. Um, but uh, <laughs> I like two chains. I like two chains. I but just he's funny. Th- he's still funny. Like he's super ignorant, and like it's like <laughs> what I like. Like it's still like it's and it's good for that. But like he's not like a good performer. He's just like poop product. Like he's just like being an idiot, and which is cool. And like I enjoy it, and I eat it up. But like it's not like good. <laughs> it's not like it's not the same thing as what Kendrick was. Oh, not at all. But but, but my question is, because he does the the like you mentioned the two you know two chains thing on literally every like feature that he does, and I'm just wondering like if when he walks in, do they is that in his contract? Do they do they have <laughs> well, for that? It's in the verse, like it's one of the lyrics. But like in most songs, he's just shouting it as in ad libs and stuff. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's part of the deal that like he like ad libs. Like you just get. You get you get an ad lib package or something from him. He's <laughs> <laughs> my ad lib writer, yeah. yeah. Um, but in terms of the VMAs, I think that that was good. It was a, it was a different year. You could tell them taking uh, the professional side of it a little bit more seriously because I think MTV is a little bit on the defensive um, in terms of that side of it. I mean, there are many people who point out. Uh, I think they're they're valid, but I don't think it really matters that MTV really isn't a a. Um, Authority on this kind of thing anymore uh, oh. because they're a TV channel. It's basically like you know, Bravo running a, a music video award show. But you know they've got it. This is the biggest event. You know they're gonna they're gonna stick with it. But they have a lot of people kind of nipping at their heels. So um, I think it was a good year. It's it's, it's it definitely like everybody talks about it. It's mm-hmm. still everybody talks about it. Like I'm always so shocked by it because like we freaking live music videos and so. 
like obviously we care and obviously like we've live vlogged it and like are idiots with it but like it was weird to like go on Facebook and to see like people from high school and like people who I didn't like you don't think like give a shit and then you're like oh wait it's pop culture mm-hmm. of course they do and and it's like still MTV VMA he's like of course they care about this and so it, it's interesting that um yeah that it it does it really it, I mean people are still talking about it like you said the guy who invented <laughs> finger was being interviewed and it's like that foam finger she uh hannah lux davis is currently directing a music video um called 23 by mike will made it and it's featuring miley cyrus and wiz khalifa and there's pictures of that foam finger on set so let's hope that it let's hope it lives on in in that video hey foam, foam finger could become a cultural icon um should we talk about the the facebook premiere yeah yeah i, I definitely think we should talk about the so on the day of recording, Thursday, August 29th, this morning, a little bit of music video history was made because Jay-Z premiered his music video for Holy, Holy Grail on Facebook uh, featuring Justin Timberlake, and it was directed by Anthony Mandler. And before we say anything, it's a, be- it's a beautiful music video, uh, beautifully shot, um, just a... Yeah, we're we're gonna take we're gonna we're gonna talk very little about the video itself. I think it's a great video, and I think it's it's um because like Jay-Z. I think owns the like like the 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 go to reference of like when you're talking about the typical hip hop video and I think that that's big pimpin'. Um mm-hmm. like just like by the pool, like no narrative, just like performing at the camera, bitches and champagne and pools and yachts. Like that's the treatment. And so <laughs> it is it is. And uh and so I think like he owns that video and I think that this this video is not that for sure. Right. And it's and it's it's definitely it's still it's still a performance video, but it's it's done a lot differently. It's very it's 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 great. It's be a very beautiful video for sure. But the thing that people were, you know, talking about obviously was the was kind of the venue and Facebook is a this has never really happened before. I mean, I'm sure bands have uploaded their music videos to Facebook, but to have a premiere of a video of this magnitude. I mean, this is Jay Z, Justin Timberlake, two of the biggest acts in the world right now and Anthony Mandler one of the biggest music video directors out there right now mm-hmm. and you know this was going out exclusively for 24 hours on Facebook and Facebook doesn't really have that much of a video presence you you, you can I, I can you know you can list off tons of other sites that have you know mu- or video kind of features that they've honed and that they've you know put a lot of effort into you know like I'm talking about like Daily Motion and Yahoo Video and stuff like that, but and, and Vimeo and YouTube obviously v- Vimeo yeah. and YouTube yeah those are the, the two main ones and the ones that we use on their site for for very specific reasons, but you know Facebook came out with their video feature I think in around like 2007 I think and. Mm-hmm. They and it was of, shit then. It was a piece of shit then. Oh yeah, it was horrible. And they've kind of buried it a little bit. So now, when you know, you know, we're used to the sort of narrative of putting a video up online, right? Sometimes it goes to like like NPR or some other blog or something like that. Or sometimes you know, it's work or something. Yeah, but eventually it makes its way to YouTube. I think that's the, that that's where everything goes. We've seen a handful of videos that are only on Vimeo, but most of them. Definitely on YouTube. So we're used to seeing the view counts. Um, we're used, to, and then we're used to seeing that uh, distribution being shared on Facebook. And, you and we're used sh- to that that quality of of, of a player too. Right. right. To be exactly. Um, we're used to being able to switch the you know the um, resolutions and stuff like that. 
but I think one of the main like weird like weird things that it felt like watching this video was like trying to like you know do something with boxing gloves on was that there was no view count. It seemed really really weird to me to look at it and see only shares because that data is there for YouTube. You know, we track it on the site. You know, that's right. very readily available data. And it's important. It 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 matters. It, it like is a, it indicates something, especially like this type of video um, of like what kind of impact that video is making you know what i mean it's a pretty sure way to figure that out and so um it, it just like the, the player itself is is my biggest gripe like i like it it was buffering and it's like it just it's not a comfortable place to be watching videos i know it's a weird thing to say but it's true like it's just not a it, it's it's pretty clunky to watch videos on facebook um i think this could mark a, a shift though um, for them, because Jay Z, like with the Samsung thing, with the release of the album, and it, it looks like with this album, he's found with, it, it, with every step, he's found a way to like make money a different way than you're typically making money from something. And so, in and in my mind, like there was a ton of ads that, and sponsored posts associated with this video that came across my Facebook newsfeed today. Um, that. I think that there was some kind of deal, like Facebook and Jay-Z, you know, under the table, you know, like had some kind of deal with this video. Because, you know, typically if a video that's a Vivo release or a label release is released out elsewhere on NPR or on Pitchfork, they have to license that content from the label or from Vivo. Like they have to, you know, that's not their content. They don't own it. And so... um like for like I like I just don't picture Jay Z just like hey, let's just throw it on Facebook instead <laughs> like like it's got it had to have like more more behind it like you know what I mean like there had to be some kind of like because clearly like w we've seen people we we I could list like I could grab four links right now of other people uploading that video to YouTube and so there are people making a few and and they they're monetized and there are people and and and, and like clearly not official accounts like one of them was v space vo and <laughs> stuff like that. that was my that, favorite yeah that uploaded the video but they're clearly all like fake people who just ripped it from facebook and then uploaded it to youtube and right now for the day or two days they'll be able to put you know they'll be able to monetize that video and so my theory and this is just complete speculation obviously is that that's small change compared to like what he's probably actually making through some kind of deal with Facebook is my guess. And that Facebook could maybe leverage this to, you know, start moving videos up. Who knows? You know what I mean? Like Facebook, it's only a matter of time. They're just going to take, take over every space anyway. Right. Yeah. And I think if you remember last year, um, there was the question of whether YouTube was going to renew their contract with Vivo, and there was a bunch of articles putting up short lists of, you know, Hey, these are the sites that could, take over the video because we kind of think as YouTube, you know, YouTube as the place where all this stuff ends up, but you know, that it's just, it's just a state of mind. I mean, that's the, you know, there are other realities that could be the norm and uh, you know, you, Facebook is one of those places that was kind of shortlisted. And I found that odd at the time for the same reasons I find this odd. I, I feel like Facebook is, something that, you know, despite some of their efforts, is something that is um, 
ephemeral in a way. Things come across your your Facebook feed, but aside from your profile and aside from pages, there's not a lot that's permanent. Mm-hmm. V- videos, you know, a YouTube URL that's that is collecting millions of views is meant to be ephemeral. If you were linking this YouTube this uh, Jay Z video, your URL said like photo.php, you know, with a get string with a bunch of you know with a hash in it. Right. Um, it, not that YouTube's URLs are, are are that pretty, but Facebook isn't really set up to be where the content is coming from. It's I feel like it's where the content goes, and to change that around, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that with the same sort of model they they have. You know, people. You know, Mashable had an article, and the point they made is that this goes direct to their 17 million, you know, followers that are you know page likes that Jay Z has on on Facebook. You know, we'll. Well, no shit. You know, you post anything that goes all to, you know to your to your your however many page likes you have. It's not like if, if if it's not on Facebook that Facebook doesn't give a shit. Facebook has done everything. There's open graph. You know, they're highly invested in open right. graph data to collect data from the web. Their whole job is making sure that when you share something on Facebook, that it doesn't look like it's just like a bag of shit. You know, it, it looks <laughs> like there's a picture and something. It's where everything right. goes. And now and, they're trying. And it's yeah. also not. And it's also not as if them adding this video to Facebook means it automatically goes to all of their fans. Anyone who runs a, a Facebook fan page knows if you post something on there, it doesn't go to everybody. It goes to a small percentage of that um, of your audience, and you can pay Facebook to make sure that everybody sees it right. or that, that more <clears throat> that more people see it. And clearly, those steps were taken with this Jay-Z video because I saw it in the places where ads went, and I saw sponsored posts for it. So it's not like they just posted it and it went to their whole fans. It got as much reach as any content posted to Facebook, as, as a YouTube video posted to Facebook would have gotten. It didn't, it, didn't ex- it didn't appear to extend the reach on that video any further than had a YouTube video been posted. I you know I completely agree and well not that, I, that that's a fact you can't agree or disagree with that, <laughs> right. but, um, but yeah I just I just don't you know when unless, I well, when I excuse me unless of course they had to deal with Facebook and then Facebook you know circ you know circumvented that or or automatically yeah, had to post it with ads and stuff if they had to deal with Facebook they it wouldn't have changed what Facebook does they basically would have just got free advertising or something you know what i mean they wouldn't have to had paid to have the video in the place where other people have to pay to have it because Facebook wants that video content that's that's the only other thing i could think of but the, here's the thing the facebook is an is just like google is an advertising platform so when you know it, it definitely makes sense to me that jay z just you know or whoever is managing management was just didn't say you know like let's put it on facebook but I, when you follow the money i don't really feel like like there was nothing that big that facebook gained aside from having to spend more money serving out more data with the video or and spending money giving them free ads i mean right they didn't they didn't do that just so they can get a mashable article about yeah, them and they didn't even they i don't think they did it to like preview some amazing new video thing it's the same goddamn player that we were looking at in seven in 2007 they're not if you look you have to like look really hard to find remember it used to be like the videos section and now in you know facebook and now it's kind of just mashed in there with photos right to be like a two two different sections right right it used to be a thing they were like hey you put your videos on youtube or facebook and they're like no don't do that just put them on put them on youtube because 
you, you know, I think they realize that you know photos photos are one thing, but you know, you, video is a different thing. So I I don't really, if it was some sort of communication, I don't understand what Facebook thought they were getting out of it. I think that another completely plausible thing with this is that there was just a guy in the management or you know whoever is dealing with with this for Jay Z that said. Let's be a little different. Let's put it on Facebook, and you know, let's say that it's exclusive, and then let's buy a bunch of ads for it. You know, maybe, yeah. I, I, I don't discount that, and I don't, you know, I don't think that that's crazy to think about because you know it eventually is going to go on YouTube too, and uh, and they'll still get that money and whatever. Like, however much money they could have made from this, from the video being on YouTube this day, I, I, I think that that doesn't. It's not that much money to Jay Z. It's not like a difference maker to for like the Jay Z album sales or anything like that. Like, mm-hmm. no. um, it's it's interesting though that an artist at Jay Z's level like is still doing something different. If it's not like a deal with Facebook, which is my initial like, that's I think that because that's what happened with Samsung. You right. know what I mean? And it's. He's kind of set that set us up for that with this album and with the promotion of this album, and so it's the logical thing for like Jay Z, who like touts himself as a business, like is gonna make a, a, a decision that like could get him some Facebook money or something with a music video. Um, uh, but may, maybe you're right. Maybe he just wants to be different. And uh, what do you think of the slowed down part of the video? Just to go back a little bit to the video itself. I I have a theory. Was confu- yeah, what is your theory? I was confused. My um, theory, and it's just it. it's just speculation. Obviously, I've been doing a lot of that this episode. <laughs> it would be it would be funny though, or it'd be interesting if it was like uh, you know, because you know, people are always saying that like Jay Z and Kanye are trying to one up each other, mm-hmm. and um, you know, you could slow down the Kanye video. Uh... They were they chopped it a little bit too. It wasn't just screwed, which was what Kanye said you could do with his video which you actually couldn't you could just <sighs> forget it <laughs> he, he made a lot of promises that he couldn't cash <laughs> he wrote a check that is that he just couldn't cash right uh, well, we're broken five um but now we're gonna write it here's my check that i'm writing i'm writing you a check for one dave ma interview Ooh. and you can cash it right now because Coming up is our interview with Mr. Dave Ma, Mr. Music Video Director, and um, like I said, Foles, Flight Facilities, Pharaohs, a lot of um, really fantastic videos, so um, I'm not going to ramble on for any further, we're just going to get right down into it. Our interview with Music Video Director, Mr. Dave Ma. Filmmaker and music video director, uh, working out of Los Angeles at the moment. One artist that you've worked with uh, probably most frequently is the artist Foles or the the band Foles, and I'm curious um, how that relationship with them started and, and how you ended up working with them so frequently. Initially, that started. Um, I was living in London and literally just chasing good music, uh, going to gigs every night of the week, uh, trying to find cool bands and. I came across them through Yanis and Jack, um, their old band, The Ed Fitz. And like that band split up 
and then I heard that they'd started a new band called Falls, and so I kind of started trying to photograph them. They let me take some photos when they were recording demos, and we just kind of stayed in touch, and then I guess it just kind of escalated from there. I started doing press shots with them, then on the side, separate to them, I was starting to make DIY music videos myself with you know, a few other sort of friends' bands and things like that, the usual starting off point for music video directors. And then they saw one of them and asked me to do a video for them. And then, you know, one video turned into about seven or eight. I think I've lost track by now. There, there is a lot. I think I count eight, eight or, yes, I think around eight, which is a lot. I mean, we've talked to directors who've had relationships with bands and it, you know, it kind of stops at around the the five mark. I mean, what what is <laughs> what is it about that that relationship that keeps things going? You know, that makes it so prolific. Um, I don't know. They're they're definitely like family now. We spent a lot of time together because I've been on the road with them a few times. You know, documenting tours in the early days and taking photos. Uh, I think you know it's, it moves in waves. I guess like in cycles, like like with albums, so the first album, I guess it was just one of those mates things where, you know, they were quite small and I was starting up and we were just doing our thing and me and Yanis, you know, collaborate pretty pretty well together. I mean, Yanis is a great guy to work with. Uh, he, he's got a really vivid imagination. He's a really smart guy and, and I think that's pretty obvious when you look at all of the visual uh, presence attached to falls like from their album covers to press shots they've done with other photographers to videos they've done with other people you know there's a really strong vision there that comes out in the lyrics and the, the themes and the songs so it's always nice to kind of collaborate with Dana so I get you know just being mates and, and feeling comfortable in that space I guess we just kept it going but you know we've dipped in and out like they're working a bit with Nabil now they've worked with other people in the past and you know I've, it's not something that we sort of vehemently stick to on you know every single time it's just sort of when and if it happens which is kind of cool and you mentioned touring with them and and, and doing some stuff with live performances and and one of the uh, music videos that you did with them my number is probably one of the most unique and interesting kind of uh, approaches to the to the live performance music video that we've seen i wonder if you can kind of just kind of chronicle a little bit what that process for of that video was like and how you were able to achieve what you did yeah, that was a that was a weird one. That was one which came out of partly necessity um, because well, they rang me up and they were like, "We need to do a video with performance in it," which is something that I don't really tend to kind of go for that often. Or if I do, I kind of like it to be abstract or non-conventional performance. And then on that one, we just kind of talked it through and we're like, well, let's just go for it and try and make a performance video that's got a bit of a twist or is a little bit different. And my starting off point for that was just thinking about, I mean, I, you know, I've been going to gigs like most people since I was about 14, 15. And, you know, it's, it's an addictive world to be in. Uh, and I just started thinking about some of the experiences and aspects of going to concerts and gigs that, that I've had, which, you know, besides just watching the band. So, you know, not getting into the show and then ending up out the back trying to listen through the back doors, you know, which I did when I got kicked out of a Liars gig one year. And then, you know, just being in the, the toilets and 
doing stuff with friends in there and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, just the happenings that go on around, you know, a gig venue or something like that. Now, were you, were you, you were kicked out or were you not let into the venue? Um, <laughs> like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I think, I, I think, long story short, it was the people I was with didn't have ID and then one of them kicked up a fuss and then I kind of backed them up and then the bouncers didn't like that so we got kicked out. That's and then I was, I was plotting revenge, you know, for a good <laughs> half an hour walking around Soho in London trying to think what would be the best way to get back at this bouncer and in the end I was like, fuck, I just sat outside the back of the gig and listened to the, to the, <laughs> to the concert. My friends came out afterwards and found me out there. It was quite... Yeah, I think that what the, the, there's so many little moments in the in the video that you know people who've been to, to concerts in that type of venue can definitely r- relate to. Um, I could I I've been I've been not let into a concert, but it's so sad in the beginning where the guy doesn't get let in because there's tons of room in there for him. That's just uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess that was an inadvertent aspect of how we ended up shooting it. You know, he they should have let him in, but you know. We needed to have that little little storyline going on. And I I mean the the top line for that whole video was just exactly what you just said, trying to find all little mini stories in and around the concert. And there was a whole bunch we didn't get to do as usual, just time and all that kind of stuff. Like like I really wanted to do a little vignette, which happened to me when I was about seventeen or eighteen in Sydney and I got really obsessed with this band called High Pass Filter that no one has ever heard of, who are absolutely amazing, and became friends with them and then was watching them from the side of stage in Newtown and the singer walked off mid song, um, lit up a massive joint and started smoking it with me, side of stage, out of sight from the audience and then he, he kind of like took a massive drag and then walked back out and started seeing sort of scratching at his turntable thing and left me with this massive joint and I got completely wasted. And that was, <laughs> that's always been one of my favorite gig experiences, you know, uh, and it would have been cool to do that, but we didn't. <laughs> that sounds like, that is an amazing concert experience. Yeah. It uh, solidified my love of that band to the point <laughs> I ended up writing their Wikipedia page about that two years ago when I realized they didn't have one. That's good. Somebody's got to write that. Yeah, it's like the only thing I've ever done with Wikipedia. It's like high pass filter need to be written into stone forever. <laughs> now, I, um, no, correct me if I'm wrong, but I read that you have worked with or had filmed some live footage of them at Royal Albert Hall of Falls. Falls, yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I can speak about that. It's not out yet. Um, yeah, I mean, we filmed it. They played Royal Albert Hall. They did two shows, matinee and an evening performance. And we that was my first sort of major multi-cam live um, concert concert film. And, I mean, <laughs> what better combination than Falls and Royal Albert Hall? It was really good. It was a great day. And they totally nailed both performances. Um, and, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It was really cool. So yeah, I did that and then we've cut that into a little film about the concert with some doc vignettes in between some of, some of the songs, basically. And I mean, having you know done so many videos for them and handled their image, 
um, you, know, you mentioned you don't you don't work with a lot of live performance. I mean, what was that like to be at the helm of you know something that's a massive multi-camera setup, working with an artist that you you know you've worked with so much? Um, it was good. It was cool. I think it was one of those things where there was no confusion about what it was meant to be. It was them playing, a, you know, a, con- a gig, a concert, and which is different to a music video where you do have this completely other avenue for creativity or abstraction or narrative. So that's, you know, when I'm in the music video world, I'd rather be dealing with that kind of stuff, narrative or something abstract or a concept or symbolism and things that are not as straight down the line. But with them playing World Level Hall, um, I think what kicked in was my background, you know, in photography and just shooting bands live growing up. Like that was kind of what I started out doing was just going to concerts when I was a teenager and sneaking a camera in and just trying to take photos of, of bands. And so it was cool going back to that kind of part of my brain, you know, what would look cool or how to approach making sure I got this moment or that moment. And and obviously knowing them so well and having seen them live so many times really helped with that. Mm. Just knowing what the song, how they move on stage and what their personalities are like on stage. Um, and, and then even, you know, I guess my reaction to the whole, you know, straight performance thing was that I wanted to explore, again, like with the My Number video, like explore facets of a live concert and live music and why it's so powerful and why it's so addictive and why when you're 15, whether you're in a band or you're an audience member, why you go to those, you go to a gig and you have an experience that's so amazing and, and then it's with you for life and you go back and you're always chasing it. You want to chase it and have it again and again and again. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. I, I mean, I certainly can. I still hunger for like those amazing experiences, just watching a band when it just you know, sort of almost moves into a different realm and just time stands still and, and you're completely absorbed in the moment. I really, really love that. And I think bands on stage experience that in a different way. Um, and I guess there's, so we did a, interviews around the concert and I tried to get into that, that sort of aspect of what they're doing on stage. And when, is there a release date for that yet? Um... You'd have to ask them. <laughs> that's not, that's, we, yeah. we will, and we'll insert it right, right here. Yeah. <laughs> you get it out of them, let me know. <laughs> um, moving on to it, uh, another, I was just recently at uh, the Los Angeles Mo- Music Video Festival, and um, your uh, Claire de Lune Flight Facilities video was played there, and uh, it really got a, a big reaction after the. Um, after the screening, a lot of people were kind of talking about it and discussing it. And there was kind of one scene in particular that everyone kept talking about, and it's uh, kind of the two girls kind of walking, and, and one girl kind of dips below a bar, uh, kind of like a, a metal bar, as the other <laughs> the other girl kind of continues walking kind of this as she was. And everyone just kept talking about that one scene over and over, and it, it really got me thinking about, uh, curious about what kind of performance direction you're giving the actors as in the in a video like this, you know, are you is that does that stuff like that come from you? Does that come from the actors? Where does that where does that originate? I think it's sort of both ways. A bit of collaboration. I'm trying to think back to that exact um, shot how we approached that. I think we knew we wanted them walking along in front of that 99 cent store in silhouette, and it it kind of so happened that that little bar, I think that's, that must be where they put the trolleys at the front there, 
happened to be there. And so we started them off a bit further back. There's actually a homeless guy sleeping there at the time. We kept waking him up because <laughs> we were stealing these shots a lot of the t- a lot of them. Um, and I think I think Kelsey was was like I was saying, hey, you know, you play like I was giving Kelsey directions to play around with things to be a bit more animated than uh, than Rachel, who was playing the other character, who was meant to be more subdued and, and the the person who was being taken along on this ride a little bit, and then in the end, kind of switches roles with with Kelsey. Um, so I think by the time we got to that scene, Kelsey was naturally just having a lot of fun with everything that we were doing and so any leapfrogs and you know swinging under bars and off seats and all that kind of stuff was firmly established but yeah she was she was great she came up with a lot of cool stuff like that and i mentioned seeing it at a film festival and obviously this particular one is just music videos but i've noticed that this um that you've you've screened it elsewhere that in festivals that aren't just music video uh specific and i'm, I'm curious what uh, what it is about this video that you think, um, you know, that that is causing you to kind of submit it to film festivals, and and do you think that film festivals offer a different audience in the internet or something? Is it, what's uh, what's behind those decisions? Uh, what for me sending it or for, for it? Yeah, just in general. What, yeah, what do, do you think film festivals offer anything uh, to music videos, and and why why have you chosen this particular one to submit? Uh, I mean. This one, like Claire de Lune, um, you know, it's one of it's one of my favorite videos I've I've done, and because it was one which um, it's always, I mean it's always nice when when a band lets you do a video and they don't need to be in the video, and that, that's a rare thing. And when you get that opportunity, it's it's quite special. And I, and I, so I cherish the fact that Flap Studies let me do that, uh, and they were great. I mean, they were so trusting with you know. I wrote out the idea and the outline and they were really into it and said, just go for it. We just love what you do. Just do what you do. And that's having that kind of trust immediately frees you up to explore, um, you know, the idea in a much more full, full way. And also this was much more like the kind of video I want to be doing where I'm, I'm working with actors and pushing a narrative that still has a little bit of that abstraction in there that I like and, and ambiguity. Um, and I guess, yeah, with music, with festivals, film festivals in general, or film festivals that have a music video program, I, th- I think they're absolutely amazing and, and offer, like, just the opportunity to watch your video on a big screen, which is really good. I was actually down at the LA Film Festival the other day with um, a friend of mine who's also a director, and, and we, were, we were sort of talking about this and talking about how it's, it's so nice to just sit down in a music video program and watch an hour and a half of three to four minute of, you know, short films or, or ideas or just seeing an idea played out in three or four minutes and how how you just, you don't get bored, why well, at least I don't, you know, sitting there watching, you know, music videos back to back. I mean, I don't know if that's just because I grew up watching music videos or not, but I think it's it's good to see people that are passionately getting behind music video programs at film festivals. And, and I think there is a lot of crossover too because in, these days you do get a lot of music videos that, could almost be short films or could become films based on the idea that they're, they're sort of playing out. And, and to that point, you know, you mentioned the, the, the short film aspect to it. And, you know, for a video like Claire de Lune, there is, does definitely does feel like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a 
short film, you know, short story narrative that has, you know, the track in the background. It, it, there's a big difference between that and something that's like, you know, like a, a music video promo, you know, with a, with yeah. a band playing. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was just wondering in terms of, you know, uh, creating the images images for that. I mean, when you're creating this, this short story and, you know, you're casting it and you're looking for locations and things like that, does the, the sort of the how heavily does a track play on that? Or are you simply, or not simply, but are you, you know, creating a, a short film and then, you know, putting on the, on the track on it afterwards? No, I mean, the track's everything. Um, I mean, in this, yeah, the track's everything because the images are still going to be married to that song um, and have to work with it. So they have to work with, at least, at least that's the way I work. Like, you know, sonically, what's happening in every shot needs to fit with the music with that point in time I and mean, that's a really obvious thing to say um, but it is exactly what drives the shot choice or actually for me the the idea for the video and in this case the story um, and that one in particular came from driving you know when I, I came out to LA when I first came out here I was staying up in Burbank in the valley and was just driving around at night a lot and loved the emptiness of the streets in the valley at night and when the guy sent me that song, you know, I was just naturally driving around listening to it and it just fit this world perfectly. And then naturally I was just starting to think about what, how cool it would be to rob a liquor store or something like that or drive, drive a car <laughs> off a freeway or something like that. And, and then, you know, this, this whole world and, and storyline with these two girls just kind of evolved from driving around at night listening to the song. But at every, at every point the track was there. Hundred percent, yeah. It's a beautiful song. I love it. Absolutely amazing. Um, and and obviously the the casting for this video is 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 very vital um, in its effectiveness. And and that's uh, the case for uh, several of your videos. Another one would be the Pharaohs. Everything is dancing video. And uh, <laughs> I'm I'm curious, kind of when it comes to casting a video, um, what kind of your process is? Is there like a crossover when casting a Claire, a video like Claire de Lune versus an Everything Is Dancing video? Is it are you, is it the same technique when trying to cast those two kind of very different videos? Uh, yeah, that, they, were, they were quite different. They were <laughs> spe specialist roles in different ways. Um, I think uh, the first thing I find is that you, quite often your time frame on a music video is a bit, you know, it makes you have to work faster or quicker or your resources are a little bit um, slim. So, you know, you can't. A lot of the times, these people are doing it for free, and so, you, so I guess there's a limit on how many times you can call people back for <laughs> for casting. Um, but I guess fundamentally, the process for me is the same. Just like I've got an image in my head of what I think the person should look like, and then trying to find what's out there and, and available. And it's never exactly what's in your head. And then for me, just meeting people and talking to them and seeing how they how they sort of behave and respond on camera if possible. Or in the case of Claire de Lune, like, um, it was really important to sort of pair two people up. So we actually had people come and read um, in pairs and just see how they bounced off each other. And I actually just, I just took an excerpt from, from a film, changed all the names around, changed a few lines around and just got them to, to read lines at each other and then see where that led. Um, and then once we, we got a shot list, we, we called them back in and actually drove around a little bit and I just filmed people from the back seat just to see what they look like in the car driving around. 
Did you whereas, catch? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say, but whereas um, <laughs> everything is dancing. I haven't thought about that all the time. That was fun. <laughs> um, you know, we needed we needed someone who had a big presence, <laughs> and um, so it was it was it was one of those things where I guess there's there's like these casting agencies that specialize in people with um, unique body types. So <laughs> we quickly went to them and, and found out who was the biggest person we could get. And um, yeah, he was a real sport about that, you know, letting me dress him up as Batman, a retired Batman, shoving, shoving food in his, his guts and jumping around a backyard. So wait, there's so there's been a, like a long-standing internal debate kind of since the release of that video on this website. I've always assumed that it was, in fact, a retired Batman, and Adam just thought they were crazy people in masks. So it is, in fact, a, 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 a and I might be uh, <laughs> misrepresenting Adam what Adam thought, but okay. a, a okay. little bit. But anyway, it is in fact a a, a retired Batman. Yeah, he's he's retired, and but he he still needs. Robin to get him through the day. <laughs> that's that's basically was the starting off point for that one. Um, yeah, what you're hearing is Doug gloating quite a bit. Yeah, there's actually <laughs> a minute or <laughs> we um we and I'll for those listening or wondering what we're talking about, we'll link to it. I think we have that conversation that because this was uh, a video Doug picked uh, when this came out, which I can't remember the, the release date, but. Um, uh, we talked about it on this podcast recorded, so you can actually go back and listen to it. It's, it's I'm true. That's cool. <laughs> I, I had no idea that little debate existed, but I'm pleasantly <laughs> surprised by it. That's cool. Well done for spotting it, Doug. <laughs> oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to rub it in Adam's face more so uh, when we're not in the middle of an interview. That's for sure. You know, one of the funny things with that video was um, uh, Robin was played by. Uh, a guy named Larry who was friends with the band and he's a friend of mine now. He's a really cool guy. And he um, he's actually Jewish, but I didn't know this when I got him in my kitchen. That was all shot in my house in London. And when I got him in my kitchen and <laughs> opened up a packet of bacon and chucked it in a frying pan and asked him to fry up some bacon. And he had, I mean, he was a great sport. He's very relaxed. He's just like, whatever, that's for the video. But he... Um, he had no idea how to cook bacon. It was, and he was taking this out of himself the whole time. I don't know. I can't remember if the shots were in there, but he was just like literally stirring it around in, in the pan, rather than just laying it neatly across the frying pan. I think they did get. They did make it in there. Yeah. Yeah, probably did. Um, now you you mentioned uh, that was shot at your place in London. When did you relocate to Los Angeles? Uh, I've been coming out on and off since I did. The I did a, another video for Falls for a track called Miami out here, and that was my sort of first. Oh, you know, I want to check out California, and so I'm going to shoot a video out there. And then I came out and I loved it. And then I was like, I need to come back as much as possible. And so I've been coming back and forth for a couple of years, but I sort of relocated properly about a year and a half ago. And you're represented by Pulse, who has offices in London, New York, and LA, so you can pretty much work in, in well, anywhere, but I guess, but. Uh... Yeah, um, how, and how long have you been signed with them? Since I think about God, about middle two thousand and eight, actually. Oh wow! So it's been a while. Yeah, way back um, when I was, 
I think it was like some of the first Foles videos. They saw a couple of early Foles videos and called me in, and then we did one together. I think it was Olympic Airways. And then, yeah. And one thing we, we noticed about Los Angeles is that there does seem to be a music video community out there that exists. And I'm wondering if you um, have have seen this from your perspective and, and, and how that compares to London. Um, 100%. It's, it's amazing out here. I think London and L.A., have great music video communities. Um, but that's one of the sort of most pleasantly surprising things about LA. There's so many great directors. I've, I kind of feel like there's a real buzz at the moment. Um, there's some super cool people doing stuff like David Altabelli and AG and Ryan Reichenfeld and that team. There's a whole bunch of people, the Daniels. And actually everyone, you know, here and there hangs out together or ends up at, you know, screenings and hanging out together. Um, I, I kind of feel it's, it reminds me of what I guess London was like a little bit too although I was mostly hanging out with fellow Pulse directors in London there was a couple of other guys but just before I left I started hanging out with a whole bunch of people um, I don't know, we band together we're like you know, birds of a feather Everything is Dancing by Pharaohs <laughs> is Ben Affleck being being Batman. Right. I, yeah, I think those dudes should definitely would definitely have made a better choice. Definitely. Although that guy that guy in the video is like It's a big dude. He's a he's a he's a big boy, yeah. He's like I just every time I see that video, like I have a weird thing. It's about, an uncomfortable feeling. I have a weird <laughs> thing about wearing rubber masks and he, like heat. And yeah. I feel like that guy's got to be like feeling it. And he seems to be doing all right, but he's eating like he's eating a hefty breakfast, and he's going it's out. That story that Dave told about him not knowing how to cook bacon. And he's like, yeah. he's just <laughs> it around. <laughs> wait, who was the vegetarian? The guy or the Robin or the bat or Batman? Yeah, I think it was Batman. No, wait, I don't think it, it was, was Robin. It was Robin. Like Batman could definitely not. Be <laughs> he's eating his. He's going for it. Oh, uh, he it was he doesn't he hasn't skipped many bacon meals. That's for sure. <laughs> He's skipped them. Um, we, I don't think uh it'd be weird to do like just one pick. What should we do? Um yeah, I feel like we can, I think we should talk a little bit about the site. Um Okay. And we should also talk about um the that video drown drowning that pussy. <laughs> Because I've been I've been humming that all day, and oh, I just... man, it's starting to make its rounds now. That video. Oh, oh, it is now. For for those who don't know, we we're talking about the music video Antoine. It's Antoine featuring somebody, and the song is called "Dying in the Pussy." And now there are like rap artists will sometimes record these ridiculous songs and then record equally equally ridiculous videos. Right. There was one recently by Lady Likers or something called I Love My Butt that's also kind of from this coming comes from this same line, but it's not nearly on the level of the Antoine video. No, the thing that really like interested me about the Antoine video is how serious it is. <laughs> it is like a you know somebody put some thought into this. The whole concept is you know, Antoine and the guy who's the feature, I can't remember his name, on the video are being, like, tied up by these two girls who are not, like, 
They're two really skinny white girls who look like they just got off the boat. You know, if you if you see like a, a meth documentary from Russia or something like that, and like an old Wait, those are the two girls that show up. Boats here from Russia. Yeah, and so and they're they're tying them up, and in the background, there's all these different clips of disasters and stuff, and and you know the girl is like dancing with a gun, and. I'm going to go on like a really big limb here and say that I'm not sure there was any like armory professionals there, you know, yeah. handling the guns. And, she's uh, just... and Andre Martel, by the way, is the featured artist. Andre Martel, there you go. Um, and she's just like dancing around, but in the background is like the Challenger dis- like disaster, yeah. the s- the famous smoke trails from the Challenger. Which it's so funny. I love when she's like, it's like close-ups of her feet dancing. And it's like, it's like, uh, it's like footage of like, like, from in like dash cam footage, and it's like, it's like such like a yeah. thing of her like dancing around like not moving the same way as the image. It's uh, it, it's quite an image. It is, and then there's a gra- They shoot the two girls shoot the two guys in the head graphically at the end of the video. It's just it's just, you know, when you record that song, if Antoine was gonna be like, this is gonna be a novelty song, like. You know, because I got high or something like that, and I'm just gonna record a you know wacky video for it. This was definitely not that. He was <laughs> super. And the other interesting thing about it is, is I I just had a flashback to high school Shakespeare, um, and then you know, Shakespeare often used the you know analogy of of dying in for for sex. Um, mm-hmm. So, so you're, what you're saying is that. Um, there are some Shakespearean references in this. Uh, there, in this there stuff. is this whole video is actually kind of a Shakespearean reference. <laughs> so one big Shakespearean reference. No, definitely. That's one of those. Vi- yeah. So I just wanted. I just wanted to. Ma- that was on my brain today. I wanted to mention. That's cool. The video. It's worth bringing up. It's a music video land. So um, another another video that was on my my mind is um, the Fallout Boy. Uh, Series that is in that is going on right now. Yeah, um, Donald Zaya. That's right, Donald Zaya. The directing duo are directing what is amounting to what looks like a ridiculously um, ambitious, uh, very cinematic feature for Fallout Boy's uh, Save Rock and Roll album, mm-hmm. um, the Young Blood series, and uh, we will put in the show notes a link to the playlist where you can see the 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 fifth installment came out uh today for the mighty fall and the first one was for the 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 massive radio hit which also features two chains um my songs know what you did in the dark parentheses light them up um and i just the the, the song doesn't feature two chains so just the video yeah just the video which is i I love that video and the thing that really interests me about this series is that um you know when people do series when they say they're going to do a series, especially for every single song in the album, like Fall Out Boy is doing, um, it's usually like a kind of a band that's like a space out band, and everything is just a series of you know images and, and stuff like that. It, because there's such a big workload, I think they're just like, well, I'll just we'll just make it a trippy video. Everyone's a trippy video, or something like that. This right. one is like a really like high production value narrative yeah. thing that is going on. It's really entertaining. Yeah, definitely. Donald Zaya, they're uh, New York-based. Mm-hmm. Adam Donald, he actually, we have a behind-the-scenes of um, A-plus films on a Joey Badass video, and Adam Donald was the DP on that shoot. So, 
Do you want to see what he looks? Do you want to see what he looks like? <laughs> one of those. Go I know you. Those. I know that's what everybody's wondering. Right. Um, they're like, well, yeah, but fuck this, like, really awesome, like, eleven part music video. Like, what's the dude look like? <laughs> what's his face? And so now you can find out. Um, right? Did you have any music videos that are kind of on your mind that you're thinking of? Well, I mean, we, it's been a while since we did this podcast, and and I think that like it's it's a it's a it's a little old. Um, but I, I think it's still worth kind of bringing up, and um, and that's uh, what's the name of the song? Hold on, uh, it's worth bringing up, and that's um, "Hopeless Wanderer" by Mumford and Sons. Mm, that wasn't about, that long ago. It's about a month a or weeks. so. It's a month or so old, and um, but it's great because it's uh, it's and 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 we've been um, you know we haven't been kind to Mumford and Son. Oh, I'm not going to say that, but uh, it's it's a great video because it it. It stars um, Jason Bateman, Jason Sudeikis, Ed Helms, and Will Forte, and they're just goofing off basically in the video. They're they're acting as if they're the members of the band and they're playing the banjo and 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 dancing around, but really they're just goofing off, and uh, it's super fun. It's a it's a super fun time, and uh, yeah, less than a month ago, August fourth, the video came out. And the the thing that really just like blew my mind about that video because that video kind of blew my mind is I've never really seen a band take themselves down that hard because you know in addition to the goofing off that they're the whole video that these four you know really unbelievable comedians put together is kind of a parody of everything that Mumford and Sons holds dear the you know the the images are is really a parody of Little Lion Man from 2009 which is a video that gave Mumford and Sons a lot of the image that they're kind of st- stuck with in a way and it's just such an effective teardown of it that <laughs> oh, I'm just I'm, it's something that I'm really surprised came from them because uh it just it just kind of it it kind of laughs in the face of the image that they've built up and that they're they're making so much money off of. Um, so I I really really enjoyed this video and I was super super excited to see um, Will Forte in it because every time I think of it I can't see him I can't help but think of the Tim and Eric bit he did with the mattress salesman. <laughs> <laughs> Will Forte, by the way, I think is probably the most uh, clearly the most underrated of those four. And oh, so, definitely by far, he's, he's so he's, good. And he's like he's the only one not playing essentially himself too. He's got like this ridiculous <laughs> fake beard, and like it looks like a teeth are missing and stuff. Like he's just uh, he's just geez. being an asshole. And uh, Sam Jones is the director of this video, by the way. Uh, but yeah, that that Tim and Eric, the bachelor son, when he's just he's just. I'm a demon, and yeah, such a good one. He's like he's screaming, "Murder me!" Right? right. Oh my god, it's so good. Um, and uh, I wonder if there's any other music videos we should we should mention. There's been a lot of great ones just recently. Oh, I'm sure there is. I mean, it's so tough at this point to like. Let's just let's just make sure to name all the great videos that have come out in the last six months. Well, if you but, want to see the great the great music videos, uh, you know, I don't know if when we. Did that last episode if we had the IMVDB picks I don't designation. believe we did. So, you know, just like Vimeo has Vimeo staff picks, and you know, we you know we wanted some way to curate kind of the music videos that we were really interested in, and we thought people, you know, would would like to watch, and um, we think they should watch. So we've started this uh, thing called IMVDB picks, and uh, you'll see there's a little check mark. And the image for the video for anyone that gets an IMVDB pick, and we tweet all of those out, 
as IMVD picks, um, and we usually pick, I don't know, two or three a day, depending on the day. Um, we, we don't just pick anything because there's nothing out there. But no, if you, but also if, like, 15 great videos came out in a day, we'd, we'd definitely pick them all. Also. Exactly, yeah. We, and, you know, they're from all different types. There's, um, you know, there's uh, funny videos in there. There's, there's kind of ones with a social message. There's ones that are more artistic. Just whatever we're interested in, you know, whatever we think is, is catches our eye. Um, yeah. So it's you good, can, it's good stuff. Yeah, so you can see them on the homepage, and if you go to the videos menu and you click on best new music videos, you'll see a whole grid of you know uh, the, the past sort of month of, of picks, and you can kind of check them if, out. If you want to just go to that page directly, it's imvdb.com slash picks. That's easy. How, how easy is that? It's an easy website to visit. Um, and you'll see on it every video if it gets a pick, it has, has it right there. And, you know, there are so many features that have been launched and so many changes in the last few months uh, since we've done the last podcast that we can't go over them all. Um, but let's just say there's a, there's a lot. And if I could highlight one feature, I'd like to highlight one feature for you, which... I built because I wanted to use this data, and I uh, thought it would be a fun way to visualize data. We're getting a lot more into data visualization lately. And that is, if you go under videos, you can browse by country. Um, and what we do is in the submission process, we ask for the country of production. And uh, I'd say maybe 40% of the videos provide that. Most of the time it's the United States, obviously. But it's really interesting to go to different countries and see music videos that are coming out of those countries. So if I'm on the page right now, I can go to, for instance, Monaco has two music videos. Um, for uh, And the top one is for a song called Felporogv by Road. Um, and it actually has 230,000 views. It's from 2012, so definitely a respectable view count. But it's a really interesting way to see what other countries are doing because I think sometimes we forget that the United States is not and, you know, England and Canada are not the only countries making music videos and not definitely not the only countries making really popular music videos, not just worldwide, but, you know, in their country as well. So check out that page. It's a really interesting way to kind of find some different music videos database of countries but uh we actually we have like one video from senegal we have one from romania there's some kind of random countries in there that's they're not random they're not random those are great those are great ones those are great countries yeah but if you look at the top music video like countries you're gonna see some usual suspects actually it goes united states united kingdom canada then spain spain has a lot of music videos we also have a lot of users from spain there we go do we have a, do we get a lot of traffic from spain uh fair amount yeah People love this. People are people are really interested in this info. This is stuff they want to know. How many users we get from Spain? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it. I think uh, so. Doug, maybe we can maybe we can make this a weekly Thursday thing. And Ooh, maybe... that's setting us up for trouble. But let's try it. <laughs> maybe we should make this a daily kind of. Well, anyway, we'll we'll see what <laughs> we'll do, see. Let's works see if out. we can do like six or seven a day. But I, I've It'd missed the, I've missed the podcast. No, it's good. It's fun, and it's and it's and it's low key, and then people like it. Mm-hmm. People like to listen to it. There we go. If, if there was ever a reason to make a thing where you talk into a microphone, people like to listen to it is probably the best. Yeah, that um, would be the main reason. So that's it for our episode. Thank you very much, Dave Ma, for sitting down and talking with us and uh, being very patient about the release date of the interview. Yeah, um, and uh, we'll get we'll see you guys uh, hopefully next week. Talk to you later.
I think we were ready for that.